You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads from the eye of the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. All right, we're live. Unfortunately, because the Seahawks lost. The Seahawks lost 27-7 to the San Francisco 49ers. Did they lose? It, they did. Did you not hear? Uh, and it, it wasn't even... Well, it kind of was close, but really they kind of, they it was like an abject defeat, I would say. Uh, Pete Carroll, when he goes, nothing worked, we couldn't do anything, and describes Maddie, it as humbling. Would you say that they buggered it? No, no, that's too soft. Um, okay. No, I can't really say what I'd say, but it's a bit rude. Um, gotcha. Yeah, but uh, when Pete Carroll describes it as humbling and Conde Diggs used the same language as well, then it's kind of like, okay, yeah, they 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 lost, lost. Um, yeah. So about hell. Three turnovers, uh, ten penalties to the 49ers, one penalty. That ain't gonna that ain't gonna get it done. I think the place to start for me. Well, we were talking before we came on air that it was at times a bit closer than we than perhaps the final scoreline suggests and i guess that little se- uh the sequence of being 13 nil up uh, down sorry but driving and then on second and six you call your running back throw uh <laughs> and you you, th- you throw a pick um and then i think was it on the the next um series you force them to punt and and then tyler lockett fumbles after being bashed into which gives them the yeah. ball on the 22 yard line i mean then you're 20 nil down and that's just a backbreaker but it, i mean how did you guys assess that whole yeah that was a 14 point swing technically seven yeah. for each side i mean that's that's kind of the game right there right because like you score there it's 13 to 7 you force the punt you have a chance to go up by one heading into halftime instead you're down 20 nothing at halftime i just you know uh, to me that that was really the 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 crucial point in this game um you know and there was of course some other missed opportunities and like we have listed here on the screen three turnovers 10 penalties over 100 yards and penalties like you know that you're gonna lose games doing that. You're gonna lose games when when that happens. So, uh, Mama said there would be days like this, and that's <laughs> it. You move on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, this feels like um, it feels like the Vikings game from last year. Mm. Um, although, I mean, I feel like there are a little, a couple more silver linings out of this game than the Vikings game. 
Um, but what are the silver linings? Silver. Well, let me just say, like, yeah, this game sucked. Like, I'm not. It sucked. I did not like it very much. Uh, silver linings are that I the defense showed signs of life in the second half. I think they played more up to their talent level. So I don't think they're going to have a first half like that where they're that kind of what's the word like frenzied like when the play breaks down it's like everyone just kind of like fell apart it was really yeah, Pete, odd Pete Carroll mentioned how they they needed to swarm better like the the pursuit angles when the play broke down as you said Griffin was way out of whack it was yeah. and I, I guess when you're defending the um, particularly the, the way the Niners attack and especially when Trey Lance was in the game there is an element of you really have to sell out to one element if you're defending like the wide sweep to Debo, then you really have to get out there. And if you're defending Lance, you really have to stay in the middle. So it is uh, more laterally stretching than some offenses, but at the same time, the pursuit angles were bad. Um, yeah. And then, so like the, the run defense is really concerning um, structurally. Oh, I mean, one, one, like we talked about the, the tackling and stuff, if, if they did kind of win their blocks, but then, the interior or the really the interior too because they were playing so much four down nickel i mean they were getting moved around a lot even woods at times puna was getting comboed um it's just the front doesn't benefit puna especially in balanced situations because he just doesn't have the raw mass to handle a lot of those combos um and then the other problem is that if they were gapped out um or at least single high you Puna is helped because that guard isn't going to stay on him as long because then the second level fitter is gap charging is, 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 you know, charging their gap, getting that guard or tackle to come off of the tackle, the defensive tackle quicker when you're in too high, even if you have like single gap principles, cause you're in, including the quarter safety and the fit or at times like cloud cloud force. Right. Um, the linebackers still kind of have to slow play it. They have to play more lateral with different techniques. So I just don't think that benefits forward. Yeah, P Puna um, has to Puna has to play uh, slow play it more and play heavier as well. To your point, so yeah, yeah, that, that, um, that's an interesting one. And I, I do think that we actually saw them move to more on defense. And we'll have the tape review podcast out Friday, but we did see them move to more middle field close stuff uh, as a kind of consequence of that because they were getting worked i thought it was interesting that they played man coverage not interesting it was a good sign i thought that they played man, man coverage on third down and they actually looked pretty good minus the the penalties i mean some of those some of those are just not even like letter of the like letter of the law like callable i just thought there's no way you can call some of those some of them were you know letter of the law like you know like okay i get it but then i thought the ball was overthrown on a couple of them so it's like spirit of the rule like why are we calling some of them mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean you give up 100 yards and penalties you know it's uh it's not it's not gonna help you so but the one the the, the one i thought the defense should have kept them under 20. the special teams fumble which led that led to a touchdown right or was yeah. it the Okay. Was the, yeah, let's touch on. Because even, um, cause Griff, mean, even with like the penalties, and I think two of them led to third down conversions, right? Yeah. Even with that, 
the Niners went six for 15 on third down, which is only 40% efficiency. So Seattle's defense and, and, and then rushing wise, the 49ers absolutely gassed Seattle. They had right. um, 189 yards net rushing, but a lot of that was in the, in the kind of first kind of half and, and, um, Tyler, you're shaking your tie. Sorry. No, 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 no. I, I, I wasn't shaking my head in, in disagreement. I was just shaking my head because that's awful. Like, you can't give right. that, that amount right. of Right. My, my numbers are correct. That's good. Yeah, um, and then a little bit of that is, is you know, of course, skewed by the big run by, by Devo. What was that, like 54 yeah. yards? Where, where the pursuit yards. angles were a thing. But Quandre Diggs described it as needing to man up. And he said, basically, they manned up. They stopped the run game. And then the the defense kind of just broke at the end. But uh, why the defense broke, Griffin, is um, the uh, anemic offense, really, which, like, the, the defense was by no means perfect. Special teams also, I think, got worked. Like, even on, like, kickoff returns, like, they're yeah. bringing it out and getting to the 15. Like, they, the special teams, Brian Schneider had a little revenge game going on here. But um, oh, really, yeah, the dude. offense is the, the major uh, party at fault, and they were scoreless through six quarters. Gino Smith had an interception. So, Griffin, is it time? <laughs> is it time, Griffin, for a quarterback change? Uh, well, so Gino did not have a good game, but I'm not sure he made a bunch of bad decisions. If, if, if I'm not sure he was like beyond that interception where he was pressured, like he couldn't step in the throw all the way, which a lot of quarterbacks can't step into the throw all their way and could still make an accurate throw, right? because they have the arm talent. Gino is such a mechanical quarterback. He needs his whole body for the throw. Um, that's a throw he's made in his career, you know, even at his worst. So, like, I'm not like, I still think he should go for those propositions as moving forward. Um, but I, I think it was Gino wasn't his best. But, okay, well, well, I was going to finish a thought. If at his worst, he goes 24 for 30 at 6.6 yards per attempt, that is not good, but that's not horrifically awful either. So, I mean, it's bad. It's bad, but it's not the worst thing we've ever seen. This isn't a breakdown game. This was him kind of playing with the same process. Um, I think he was good in the pocket. He only had two sacks. One of them came on third and 12, and then I believe it was a coverage sack. Um, I don't, I, I'm blinking on what the other sack was. Um, so, He's not going to overcome the offensive line being outmatched, which I was. I wanted the offensive line to put up a better fight than that. Uh, and then I also didn't like some of the play calling. And then on top of that, yeah, Gino was not. He was he was not good enough to overcome any of that. Um, I really didn't like the play calling though at times. Um, but so <clears throat> in the past, Seattle has either matched or outplayed San Francisco at. Yeah you know, kind of everywhere, or at least yep. they're really even. And this is the first time they've played San Francisco in a long time where it just felt like they got outplayed everywhere. Every know? facet, yeah, uh, which is what makes this kind of a miserable occasion. There's a lot to unpack with what you've just said about the offense. Um, it doesn't sound like you're ready for Drew Locke. So uh, to be clear, I'm not either, and I don't actually think Drew Locke does any different in that game. I don't think um, he pushes the ball downfield more like it is a bit weird how seemingly either like the 49ers are in middle field close stuff and even if the cornerback's off surely it's worth trying to throw deep to Metcalf or lock it down the sideline but 
also if it's if they're not in that if they're in middle field open and they're doubling guys like Gino Smith uh, said in the, in his press conference, then where on earth is the run game? Like what's going on there? But but before that, Ty, how did you view Gino's pick? You know, he couldn't really follow through. I think Blythe got pushed back into him. It was either Blythe yeah. or, or Jackson yeah, got pushed Blythe. back into him. So he couldn't he couldn't follow through fully. Uh, so I think that kind of um, diverted the path of the ball there a little bit. Um, I think there was a chance for a completion there. It's just a tight window, though. You know, you got to be got to be perfect with the placement there, and just you know, he he couldn't really fully step into it there. So um, the other one, the 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 one that uh, the the pass interference got called on. I'm not. I, I don't really poo-poo that decision uh, by Gino there uh, as much as, as some people were. Um, it's third and 17. He threw it around the 49ers 40, I think. And let's be real about it, the way the 49ers were moving the ball there. Mm. They were probably going to get there anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, so I, I, I wasn't huge uh, against that decision. Um, you know, I just like you guys said, just looking at Gino overall, um, I didn't... I didn't think he was awful. And I think that like anyone that's calling for a quarterback change or if the Seahawks were to entertain that idea, I think that's just a little too knee jerky for me. Um, Cause you know, again, you, you put the Gino, uh, you put the ball in Gino's hands down there by the goal line. You know, how different does this game look, right? How different does this game look for Gino? How different does this game look as a whole? Because, you know, I think that if you get to, to halftime and it's like 13, seven or 13, and they got the ball at half. Like yeah, and then you know they probably don't abandon the run as much there. Like they they you know they approach things a little more balanced in the second half. I mean, I, I think really you know you get to that moment and that just derailed things where too much fell on Gino's shoulders, and uh, and they just they had to basically become one dimensional for the rest of that second half to just claw their way back into that game. And against that defense, I mean, you're just you're not going to find a ton of success doing that. So. Um, you know, I again just kind of going back to that whole decision. Like, while it was kind of funny to watch in the moment, I think that I ended up losing them that whole game because just you the whole makeup of that game changes significantly if they're able to get into the end zone there. Yeah, yeah. yeah Lock, Lockett um, spoke about how they were kind of playing from behind, and it's how you know the challenges of that as a team where it does restrict you. You know, play calling wise. The fact that they ran the ball only eleven times on the night um, is, I don't know. Th- well, this this document says fourteen, but that some of them might. Yeah, be I think scrambles. it's fourteen. Okay, 14. well, f- f- only fourteen times is is somewhat skewed by you know how they were hunting. But I think for me, the bigger thing with the run game was, well, and here I've got it says they they ran four t- fourteen times of thirty six yards. Um, mm-hmm which is not great as 2.6 yards per carry. So yeah, the bigger thing with the run game really is they got absolutely owned up front. Like the pass pro kind of held up for me until like the fourth quarter when they got in these clear passing situations and, you know, overcoming third and longs is really difficult, but the run game, there was the occasional, like, you know, four, five, six yard cutback, but really they got owned up front. Uh, Joey Bosa, like unblocked, um, you know, just, just like, just bullied, absolutely bullied. And and the 49ers are a really good defense, like like and defense is variable. And like, would it shock me if the 49ers were top five defenses by the end of all of this? No. Um, 
that that um Hufuango in in the in the middle of the he is a good field at safety. Man. He looks really good. Their D line's dominant. They're really good at coaching uh, their D line up to be aggressive and play upfield. But for the for the O line to get worked that much, despite what I just said about the forty nine ers being good and and um, holding the Bears to like two hundred yards or whatever it was last last uh, week in week one, is still troubling to me. Like the fact that the run game execution just wasn't there it's like what Pete Carroll said you know we have to run the ball some consistency and he said uh nothing worked we couldn't do anything and he said we need a whole complement of ball to help Gino and that's that's like when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping Kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week you can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time Kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Even if you're, even if you're a Geno optimist, right? Like any, like there's like four or five quarterbacks, probably three quarterbacks who uh, don't need like uh, to be able to like lean on a run game. And even then, like you kind of need a run game uh, to an, to an extent, right? Now you can question what extent you need it, but for Seattle to just have nothing here. Um, and when it's Geno Smith, who I think we all acknowledge that he, you know, it, he does need a run game. Like he can't do it all on his own, and you can't be in pure dropback situations. Uh, you you need to kind of lay it off that. Now I felt, I don't know, I, how, Griff, do, do, am I am I wrong on that, or did you view the run game similarly as uh, negatively impacting the overall thing? Yeah, well, I mean, when you run the ball you know you're not going to be popping off for 10 yards every time, but you need to still get more of the median gain to be pushing four or five yards. You don't want an average of 2.6. It's just it's putting you behind the eight ball. Um, so I, I largely agree with the point, but my thing was, and, and I think this is where we have some of disagreement about this game, is that I, I tweeted they should have passed more. Um, he had 24 completions on 30 attempts. If we unpack those 24 completions and look at his best looking ones and then look at how frequently they ran those concepts. And I'm really curious to see what the tape shows, but if we look at how frequently they ran those concepts where the good completions actually came, I think we'd find that they actually didn't run a lot of those calls. They kind of played small ball. They kind of played afraid early on. And while when, like you said, they got into deeper drop back, more pure drop back scenarios and the pass rush could tee off even more. I think that they had the best chance to put the ball in Gino's hands and let him work the pocket because I thought he worked the pocket actually pretty well, given the pressure, and take the lumps there, even take the sacks, but then you that's also your best chance at moving the ball. So I think it's a trade-off scenario. They weren't moving the ball playing small either. So I don't know if more play action would have helped them. I don't know if, if, if more 
living in under center more would have helped them. Um, Tyler Lockett, nine for 11, 100 yards, 109 yards, I think. So, um, but my, so my bigger question for, from that point on is what are they doing with Noah Fant? Because I'm not sure that DK Metcalf fits into this. A lot of the possession intermediate oriented drop back game. I mean, he does, but he doesn't. It's he does is like that, uh, deep comeback, like lob it up to him. Like we saw against Denver, you know, like, uh, 15 yard kind of range, yeah. like lob it up to him as a possession dude. But it is kind of weird how so that's all he can really do right so right and like and there's other things like you know you just kind of have a a non-valuable route in the progression you know like just you still have like an under route or like a whip route or something like that right like even if it's a placeholder you know a placeholder type route in the concept but then outside of tyler lockett you need another threat in the progression to be able to work those windows because gino will progress and throw to no names in structure so what are they doing with Noah Fant? Is he popping open any of these looks? Are they getting him out there enough? He's a talent. He's a skill set that I want kind of working in that 10 to 15 yard window. And a lot of these, he's hitting Lockett in them. And some of these Lockett's wide open because Lockett is getting open or, but if it's zone coverage, it's just the, the concept is working the way it's supposed to. And Gino's getting there. Like again, he went nine for 11 throwing to him for a hundred yards. So he had 12 yards per, per catch. So, I, I just feel like we're going to watch the tape and we're really not going to like the game plan. It's like what you said when they acquired Fant, right? Which is where they're going to run like option looks with Fant, um, you know, into the intermediate, like uh, I forget what it's called now. I'm tired. But, um, you know, th those kind of off a quick play fake uh, option looks for, from the tight end position, which we haven't seen yet. And again, to that point, Griff, I, where was like, I know it's uh, overly trendy. Well, it's beyond a trend now. It's expired. But uh, RPOs, like, I know they only did two of them last week, but that was, like, a nice little layer to, like, access the intermediate, punish a defensive structure, which is either playing, like, an even front against 11 personnel and it's got a nickel on the field, or it's playing bare front with, you know, too high and it's asking... Uh, for conflict that there was not much conflict and i don't think there was there were too many easy easy throws for gino but we we do need the tape what i would say to your point about the gino's completions is you know six of them come in that end of game weird drill and then there's That's also true. the end of half thing where it's like a lot of that was kind of weird uh one minute 26 off the clock uh eight passes i think no runs so it just but that also that speaks to how just disjointed the whole game was and when you turn the ball over three times in the way they did when you can't stop the run in the first half so the time of possession is already going to be ticking a lot you know it is going to be skewed um in total Seattle had uh, 21 minutes, 40 seconds with the football, whereas the 49ers had 38 minutes, 20 seconds. And at a certain point, like, you've changed the defensive scheme, right? I mean, you have, but you haven't. But, you know, for the mm -hmm. sake of for the sake of this point, uh, you've changed the defensive scheme. Uh, you've, you've changed your quarterback, right? Like, why on earth is this this still happening and to me I, I i worry a bit about shane waldron like it's it's um it's hacky and it's overly easy to do but this is a recurring issue and the one the one 
constant other than Pete Carroll, but like how much influence is he having on all this? Not much. The one constant is the offense being like kind of disjointed at times and boom or bust. And like, how do they sustain drives? And uh, I don't know. That's something that I am not fully on board with that idea, but it's something that's kind of in the back of my mind as being uh, troubling. Is that fair, Ty? Yeah, no, it's absolutely fair. This was a rough day for Shane Waldron to be sure. And it goes beyond the, the DJ Dallas pass, right? Um, like, it's just, you know, your often your unit doesn't score a single point in six quarters. The finger has to be pointed at you at least a little bit some here. So, um, at the end of the day, you know, I mean, there was obviously some execution issues. We go back to the offensive line. You know, this was, this seemed like a pretty bad day for Gabe Jackson. Um, and you know, Damian Lewis gets hurt as well, so that kind of derails things up there uh, uh, up front. So, um, but again, you know, you just you get out of your you get out of your game plan with how uh, the uh, how things just get stacked up against you, and yeah, it is what it is. And, and and Gino, like you know, again, because like like you said, Maddie, because Gino needs the run. Like Gino isn't really going to be the guy to bring you back from 20 points down like you gotta keep things close unfortunately like if you're gonna have a chance or you know it's just i don't the the seahawks found themselves in the most disadvantageous spot that they can find themselves in this year um and you know unless they're going to be able to get uh stops consistently and quickly that's the key word here is quickly on defense you know then they're going to have to make the most out of their offensive possessions because like they're going to have very few of them with the way that the time of possession is just going right now. So you have to make the most of it. And again, as far as time of possession goes, and as far as sustaining drives goes, again, the the finger has to be pointed at Waldron at least a little bit here, because this is year two now. And we're going on, what, game 19 under Waldron, regular season game? and uh, Or we're going on game 20 this upcoming week, and the issues are still there. And the personnel has changed quite a bit, and the issues are still there. So what is... What is the one thing connecting all of this? Shane Walter. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I'm going with it. And the the personnel has changed. And what one thing I'd like to bring up actually is the offensive line shakeup, you know, new center, um, new tackles, right? Mm-hmm. The the offensive line gelled noticeably in the back half of 2021, and then the run game dominated. And I do wonder if we're going to have to go through a similar kind of growing pains thing for the run game to really gel and come together before it. And really by the way, off. kind of a new left guard as well because Phil Haynes has played what six and a half quarters so yeah, far. Yeah, uh, Damian Lewis left this game with a quad bruise. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, you're right, and and so and, and I, I do think that has to be impacting things in terms of the run game. But yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see what the tapes like. Griff, the the nickel cornerback situation with Justin Coleman missing the game with calf issue. Kobe Bryant had a kind of up and down experience. Yeah, I, I thought he actually covered well, but the penalties hurt him. Um, and then he was making some plays in the run game as the nickel when he was mm. forced into the fit. So I, I don't know. I thought that was encouraging from him, but I do think. Like on, on one of the um, on one of the play action plays, 
I don't know if Tariq Woolen needed to fall off or not. But but point being is that the the zone components of the offense that that require you know the nickel and the corners to kind of you know know their rules and stuff. I this we really are seeing some of the growing pains of not having continuity there, you know, and younger players stepping in as well. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. What, what did you What did you see from Kobe Bryant? Yeah, similar stuff. Uh, that that uh, legal contact penalty was he got he had his leverage broken in a similar way to how Judy got him, and then he recovered, but committed the penalty. Although you know, throughout the game, I think he just sort of grew into it a bit, and it's like trial by fire. You know, I think he'll he'll come good eventually. Uh, Tariq Woolen, we should say, amazing game, blocked field goal. Uh, I think he allowed one catch, but I, I, I need to go back and actually see if that's on him and also see if it was more than one catch. But he looked really solid again. They weren't able to pick on him too much. Now, Jimmy G ain't that kind of quarterback, really. But yeah, so we should also say how Trey Lance got hurt, um, which is unfortunate. Hopefully he's okay. Uh, but he got hurt on a running play, get, got manwidged by Brian Monet and uh, Cody Barton, and in came Jimmy G. Now, really, that should have been to the Seahawks' advantage because, you know, that changes their entire offense, what they'd been planning. Jimmy G's barely practiced with them, and it removed a lot of their run game, right? So, I mean, Ty, did you think Jimmy G played well? or <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you this. You know, obviously, first thought when Lance went down was, you know, I hope he's okay. Secondly, though, I was like, shoot. Because <laughs> I, I honestly felt like the Seahawks had a better chance against Lance today, as weird as that sounds, than, than Jimmy. Uh, even with all the reasons that you just mentioned. Jimmy was fine, but Seahawks could have won this game easily. Um you know, he moved the ball fine. He had some decent conversions, um, had a lot of time to throw at times. I mean, you know, the other thing we should mention here is I, I think the Seahawks only recorded one quarterback hit outside of the one sack that they had. Um, I think Mafe was credited with a sack at some point. And then, like, weren't able to get into the backfield uh, consistently, especially in key situations there. Um and uh, you know, and third downs and stuff. You know, I, I was surprised to hear the number that you uh, you said uh, about six of uh, fifteen for third down. I felt like that was right. a lot higher for for the 49ers. That's actually kind of a surprising number. Uh, but they did get uh, two fourth downs as well, so that looks a little bit better for the 49ers. Yeah. But that's still like what a forty. That's like a still a sub fifty percent. Uh, Which is what rate, Seattle right? have said in the past of aiming to be slightly under. Um that kind of 50 percent mark which um i think represents their raw coverability and how i mean it's strangely enough i think what they're best at is defending pure dropback situations by the way real quick just talking about lance uh what are they doing running him between the tackles like five times in the first quarter like you're just kind of asking for that to happen now uh I don't know. Well, running the quarterback's always tough, but to me, it was like a, fr- a freak injury. And it actually reminded me of that um, that Dak Prescott one where he like went out of bounds, I think it was. Was that against the Seahawks? Hmm. Possibly not. But he went uh, out of bounds and um, 
he then doesn't realize what's happened to his ankle and then he looks down and it's like oh my god oh that was against trey... the giants i think there you go so because yeah. trey lance like got back up and like was just like tried to walk and then looked down and was like oh my gosh which i mean adrenaline's a hell of a thing but also yeah. i think that speaks to the kind of freak uh nature of it i i don't know it's easy to say in hindsight about running the quarterback also to me also you know it speaks to how special like a cam newton was in that like he took an absolute pounding oh, and i yeah. think a lot of the stuff that the 49ers were trying to do with lance is similar to well i mean it's the obvious comparison when you run the quarterback from the gun with all these sweeps and bash and all these options um yeah cam newton so durable so special in that sense uh Oh, Trey just, just seemed like that guy to me, though. Like, no, no, no. Like he's, yeah. no. But then, what is he? Like, I don't know. I, I, I didn't think Jimmy G coming in would would actually go very well. He always seems to struggle against Seattle, and he always seems to have a turnover in him. I just mm. think the hole that they were in was just it was too big of a hole. They they were in trouble, and their their run defense was appalling. And the a bit the yeah, Dow Taylor actually largely anonymous as a pass rusher i thought last week that could have been partly due to um how he was you know rushing a russell wilson style of quarterback but this game i really thought he'd pop more but um i, I did he didn't seem to he was in the backfield yeah. a few times on run plays and then missed the chance and a lot of those ones where they got in the backfield and the run plays they ended up they sort of overrun it and then they missed the tackle which yep that was <laughs> that was annoying but i don't know burn the tape Agreed. Uh, yeah, well, let's not even reveal the tape on Thursday. Let's just when they it. when they corrected their run defense, so I do want to see if they made any adjustments or if they just played better. Yeah, Diggs was just like we manned up, so maybe it is yeah. not, not not as in playing more cover one, but as in you know machismo. Yeah, yeah. But yeah it does yeah. sound like um that was all that happened. Although, I mean, anecdotal, but I feel they did probably play more middle field closed and they did bring a bit more pressure. I, I imagine that, um, so that they, they did have a coverage bust on defense and I need to sort of rewatch to see what happened. But in my opinion, it's probably the way that they play is they have a, a certain routes in cover three. Was it cover three for a start or was it middle field open? On which one? The coverage. Dwelly touchdown. I was thinking the same thing. I thought it was middle of the field open, actually. Yeah, but... it's complicated because the the spacing of that is similar to like pushed. Um, yeah, it can be. For three. Uh, hold on, let me. Well, I'm trying to watch it. Anyway, we'll we'll get back to that on the tape. But it's it's either on a linebacker, or it's on someone not peeling off when they should have done but oh again, also that third that and what was that third and oh. it was like third and five and cody barton lined up against jeff wilson and he's like eight yards nine yards ten yards off of him that like, was unfortunate what are we doing? that was that was really bad because the jimmy g knew it was man coverage because he had a receiver out wide and so and uh sorry running back out wide and barton lines up over him split out wide which that's a man indicator and then as a linebacker in that situation, you're thinking slant, you're thinking fade. Um, yeah. Because if he's split out wide as a running back, that's what he's going to run. Uh, and he ran a hitch and Barton was just so far off. It was like third and short. Like he needed to come up there, especially against that, you know, it's an obvious pass. Like, unfortunate. 
he just didn't want to get beat on the slant route, I guess. And uh, there was a fire zone play where the coverage was abysmal. Like Brooks got run off into the high hole and there was no one underneath on another third down. All of the all, all of the stuff that was bad on defense felt very execution-based. Now, and the execution sucked on offense as well, but I do think there's more of a gripe about play calling that can be made, as yeah. Griffin's alluded to. Yes. So what do we want to see next week against the Falcons? Because that's obviously a team that you can hope to, quote-unquote, get right against, right? 40 personnel redemption. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, when they came out of that, I was like, oh, it's sexy. Call. I didn't. I didn't like it at all. I was like, "There's because I didn't see the advantage of it." I understand that things get you know squirrely down at the goal line, but I'm thinking if they feel like they have to get cheese yardage, I'm thinking like if you're in the end zone, the pass rush becomes less of a advantage for the Niners. That if if anything, I expected Geno to do even better. The closer, it was so weird. The shorter the field got, but mm-hmm. it was Wait, so weird to even double down on it by the way like the first play got broken up a little bit and like ken was able to you know salvage a couple yards out of that and it was like all right after that let's let's go back let's bring Gino back out here let's you know how how did you think uh kenneth walker did actually overall and and griff i agree like why not just like you could do that but with tight ends out there who are better at blocking like i know you want to do this triple option look but if you're not going to keep on the option then it's, like what we it's like playing with food it's too cute it's easy to say in hindsight but that throw from dallas yeah. was so bad it's like and peak i, I just teddy wish he took a time out so he even, could get out but... even if it works what is the necessarily the argument for it feels unnecessary especially with the way that gina was moving the ball off, on that, it feels on that like yeah it feels like they're doing it for the hell of it like style points yeah i yeah, don't we, i mean i understand i understand they they have you know they have like pistol a full house diamond pistol in in their stuff so it's like well what if we just swap the quarterback out and do some wildcat or, i mean you know what i mean um but i don't know it's just not something they need to do so um so as for what we want to see i guess no, well, hold on. How, how did you oh yeah oh yeah we're talking about that yeah yeah, yeah. so what, what, do you, what, what do you want to see against atlanta maddie a win, uh, that, just the well, offense yeah. to sustain drives and Gino to be, you know, supported by a run game that is actually operating. Like, and and it's more, it feels more balanced. They're avoiding, they're getting into third manageable situations again. I don't know Atlanta's Dean P's defense, right? I mean, we'll preview them on on Friday, but the Thursday record Friday episode, but um, Dean P's like a lot of like. I mean, this is so cliche, but fire zone, like middle field close stuff. I feel like they're quite soft yeah, and man, they could see. probably be run on. And then so, offense is like, I mean, Seattle should be good at this. Like just boot under center, boot um, wide zone. Like Seattle, it's a nice preparation in that sense for like kind of Rams uh, of old vibe. But Seattle's had plenty of practice against it in their own practices, right? So, yeah. I want yeah, to, just to win. I, I want to see them dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, or at least control the line of scrimmage. Just end the day feeling like you won each trench battle. Mm. And then from there, see what follows. Does does the supporting talent 
around the off the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball do things follow suit accordingly like you would want them to um so this is a good opportunity it's a great matchup to go ahead and prove that you can win a line of scrimmage battle and then you can i think better evaluate ascertain whatever yep what what you make of everybody else um so how how did you feel uh kenneth walker did that's what i wanted to oh ask. right uh he didn't get a lot of reps but he i mean he looked like the guy that they scouted right he looked at the, the traits are there probably needs reps to kind of you know fill things out a little bit um some of his runs got blown up in the backfield not a lot he could have done the block so that's another yeah. thing too like with the with the 40 personnel stuff like i i feel like that was kind of maybe a lot to put on ken in the first in his first game like i just i don't know i i, I felt like I, I don't know uh he looked fine though like he didn't look like he's being um uh hampered by the the hernia or anything like he looks like he looks good he looks quick like he just didn't get enough opportunities for me to really like form a, a whole opinion on him um especially in the second half like you know mm. hardly ran the ball so it's like couldn't really see him a lot but like he looked like kenneth walker so yeah the one play where he went the wrong way was unfortunate yeah, um, yeah. i, I yeah. that might have been an rpo actually but um mm. Even that was weird though, because like they had super wide splits on that play. Like again, to the play calling point, like they had super wide splits. It was really, really obvious it was a run, like or you know an attached throw. But the spacing was so wide and and actually tight as well. Like the Lockett and Metcalf were uh, congested, and I'm really overanalyzing one play, but they were congested as well. So like a throw to that was like I don't I don't know what root combination you do out of it, but it's it's very limited, right? Like. I don't know. It's um, a lot to unpack in the film. So we've got 32 people watching. Mm-hmm. What questions do you viewers have? Give us mm-hmm. some questions. In the meantime, while you guys are forming your questions, and we'll probably only have uh, time to answer a couple quick ones. But so during the fourth quarter, once things got a little out of hand, I decided to check in on Russ. Did you guys hear what was happening in Denver? Oh, he was getting he was getting booed. So the, yeah. yeah, which is yeah, the whole unit was. How could you boo well, the, the the unit was getting booed. Of course, ah. of course, you know, not not just the quarterback, not just the quarterback. Even though that the fans were literally yelling at him, the the play clock. They were they were counting down the play clock for the offense uh, at one point in this game. Um, that, that part's pretty funny. That it is, sounds like how Kit had an actually like horror show again. So. Yeah, like I so just for me personally, I would not have booed Russ if I was there last week at CenturyLink, just because I don't boo in general. I just think it's lame, but I also don't care. Like I would just like chuckle mildly as people are doing and be like surrounded by thousands of drunk people. Um, but I, I, it was mildly amusing that it was like you know these moral this moral debate raging over what's classy and what isn't um and then, and then six Heward, days later they do it <laughs> and then, yeah and then brock heward's like not only uh, brock heward says i the denver off the denver offense is being booed more loudly than the seattle offense ever was at home um so i don't know the, that uh that um tickled me a little bit uh beyond that though yeah 
they did have injuries, but that was a rough game for them. They ended up squeaking out the win, as we know, which is unfortunate because, yeah, we are rooting for the Broncos' misfortune. We're rooting for them to uh, crash and burn because we have their first-round pick. So, Well, fret not, Griff, because they play the, this 49ers team uh, next week. And seeing the way that defense played, I don't think they're going to have yeah. a, a fun time. Yeah, that'll, that'll be... Um, That'll be interesting. Well, especially if San Francisco have indeed moved to more like middle field open stuff. I know they've got a lot of courses background, but you know. Oh, I guess we can rush... use this time real quick to to announce. By the way, Maddie, that you, uh, I think we're doing a live stream during the Forty uh, ers Broncos game, at least for a little maybe. bit. Maybe, yeah, maybe, keep, maybe. Keep your keep your eyes peeled for that. Keep your eyes peeled. I, yeah. So we've got a question here okay. from Wolfpack. Do y'all think the score would have been worse if Trey Lance didn't get injured? Mm. I don't know. No. no. With with the way the run game was going, I I don't know. I think the way they defended the run like was bad enough with Jimmy G. Like it couldn't really get much worse with Lance, despite that being stylistically different. Yeah, um, I, I will say I don't think Lance underthrows some of those fade balls that lead to DPI. Now maybe he ends up completing them, but a lot of those drives on, on the in the passing game got sustained because of DPI. So well, Seattle did get off the field actually in the second half on some of those. Yeah. Um, I hate I hate that man. Yeah. Like underthrows being rewarded, bad quarterbacks being rewarded. It was good was defense. A lot of NFL officiating basically. It was good yeah. defense. And uh, Mike Michael Jackson has that thing where he um he, he looks around for the ball but he looks panicked and body language does matter in those instances. Like the officials will will throw um if you look a bit panicked, it seems. Um Oh, this is a great question from Camden. How can Geno's passing game expand when the other aspects of the offense is taken away from him? Well, we we mentioned run pass option and we mentioned um, sort of tight end option routes and Griffin mentioned how Fank can be used in the intermediate. So that those are two things. But Griff, I'm sure you've got more on that. How So when other aspects, so taken away from him as in the defense is defending it? Yeah, I guess I guess say the run game struggling, um, and then say maybe, yeah, just say the run game struggling. That that run game is basically non-existent. I guess. It's totally like, I mean, like a game like yeah. today, without again, without the cliche answer of being able to see the tape. We, I mean, how can how can it expand is like him making that throw to Lockett and Lockett making a crazy catch, you know, like a, a crazy, you know seam catch into the into the high hole i think they might have been in cover two um on that interception right so within the structure i mean what if what if the tape shows that nothing's open at the second level when he was checking the ball down like what do you want him to do then do you want him to scramble and run around and make something happen he's done it before Did obviously he had, today? The, he had the big play to lock it so i mean maybe there maybe it showed that he missed things so then my answer would be well, okay, play better. But Gino is a guy that kind of like the whole Gino theory is that he's going to execute structure that you're going to have to provide for him. So then if I mean, that means there's two components of it, the, the offensive line has to be playing well and the, the 
receivers have to be getting open, which is on the receivers and the play caller, right? So I would the main thing I would be looking for is can the offensive line play cleaner mm. so that Gino is more willing to hang in there and make things happen. I do think that he uses the pocket really well still. Even yeah. when pressure is coming down on him, he's not he's almost unconscious in the pocket. Um which I think can lead you into issues, but it, it allows you to take advantage of the full scope of the structure. So I don't know. On some of those checkdowns, I'm really curious to see what was going on downfield. Should he have triggered on some throws? Was nothing there, et cetera. But like I said, like the some of the production to lock it, they had like four or five completions, I think, in regular dropback scenarios. Um, some second level, some first level. But I, I think I would rather just see more of that and take the lumps, take the sacks if they're there. Because um, I think that's really the only way they're going to move the ball when the when the run game isn't working and they can't get play action to pop. So. Oh, the one thing which is hurting, and it's expected, but one thing which is hurting is defenses across the league are like a lot better at defending boot and, and play action pass off under center boot. And Seattle, that... Like if they can get that popping, then that's so easy. Like it's so big, but they can't. Um, and it, it doesn't help that their run game was completely ineffective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. Ty and I, maybe Griffin. We'll see. And then with a sort of newsy roundup, we'll we'll dive into the the press conferences. We then will have our tape podcast and our preview of the Falcons game a bit deeper. And uh, that will be out Friday, but you can join us for the live stream on Thursday night. Thank you, everyone, for listening, watching. Thanks for the questions, guys. Sorry we didn't get to all of them in the comments section. And, yeah, it's a, you know, it was pretty much the worst-case scenario for the Seahawks. So, you know, keep the faith. Uh, It will all be okay. And then until that point, please... Like this video if you're watching on YouTube and post a comment because that helps us with the algorithm. And if you're listening back to this, thank you very much. Uh, Subscribe to us. uh, Leave a five-star review, please, uh, on your podcast medium. And, yeah, we appreciate you. And, yeah, keep the faith. The Seahawks are still one and one And they're on to Atlanta now. So we're on to Atlanta next week. We're on to Atlanta.